0: much Job 42 verse 1 says then Job replied to the Lord I know you can do all things no purpose of yours can be thwarted Uh you asked who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge surely I spoke of things I didn't understand things too wonderful for me to know you said listen now and I will speak I will question you and you will answer me my ears had heard of you but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Are y'all ready for this word tonight? I wanna talk from this subject. Are y'all sure y'all ready? Okay, we're getting ready to go there. I don't need closure. I don't need closure. I like, it. I like it. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to leap into this lesson tonight by offering you an axiom that I think is extremely important and unsettling at the same time. Your God is not just a God of entrances, your God is also the God of exits. Did you hear what I just said? Some of the imagery that the scriptures use to describe God's role in our life is shepherd-like imagery. Jesus is described as the good shepherd speaking to the leadership role he wants to play in our life. It's as if he's saying, I wanna do more than save your life. I wanna lead it. But if you let me lead it, you need to understand if I'm going to lead you into green pastures, you got to be willing to let me lead you out of pastures you like that are no longer green. because I can never lead you in if you are unwilling to let me lead you out. He wants to reframe the way you understand endings so that you see endings are not evil. Endings are essential. That if adolescence doesn't end, you never step into adulthood. If singleness never ends, you don't step into marriage. If spring never ends, you never get to summer. God then will orchestrate the ending of some things in order to arrange the beginning of another. And I came to tell somebody that some endings you call in the devil, you've attributed credit to the wrong person god's like the devil didn't break y'all up that was me and the devil didn't make them let you go that was me because i'm the god that wants to lead you to green pastures but i can't lead you to green pastures if you don't let me lead you out of pastures that aren't green and i came to speak this over somebody's life today and that is you're getting ready to come out Now, some of you are shouting about it, but I'm going to say it one more time. You're getting ready to come out. I'm going to say it until most of you are shouting about it. You are getting ready to come out because God's saying, I'm getting ready to put an end to some things in your life. And people who plateau in their progress are people who have not mastered the art of managing endings. A powerful picture this is seen in the book of 1 Samuel when God is ending an era of leadership for Israel with Saul and initiating a new era with David. He asks Saul a question, how long are you going to mourn over that which I rejected? i'm done with it even though you are crying over it i'm done with it and even though you still love saul i'm done with it and even though you wish it wasn't going to be this way i'm done with it and even if it doesn't make sense i'm done with it and i'm not going to resurrect something i want to stay buried i want that to stay in the grave some things i want to come back to life that i want to stay dead He's a God that orchestrates endings. And I think there's an ending he wants to orchestrate for most of us that are watching, listening to this message. I don't believe he will put this message on my heart. If this is not an ending, he wants to orchestrate in yours. I believe he put this message on my heart because there's something he wants to bring to an end in yours because it's keeping some of us stuck. If we're not stuck practically, we're stuck mentally. If we're not stuck mentally, we're stuck emotionally. It's keeping some of us stuck and there needs to be an ending to our need for explanations. here church did you hear what I just said God says yeah you thought I was gonna end people hating on you and you thought I was going to end people agitating you he says I need to bring an end to your need to have an explanation before you advance it's keeping you stuck even when your body's not stuck your head is stuck and you are wherever your mind is as a man thinks in his heart so is he you can be in jamaica but if your mind is in atlanta that's where you are and god's like time is moving T- a progress should be happening but you're stuck because you have not mastered the ability to move on without a reason The Danish philosopher and theologian Soren Kierkegaard puts it this way. Life is to be lived forward, but it is only understood backwards. That there uh, there are some understanding uh, that you are looking for and that I'm looking for in my present that I do not get until I step into my future. That some things don't make sense proactively. Some things make sense retrospectively. So I've got to be willing to move on in seasons where there is no explanation. Some of your why is the reason you cry. And there's a, there was a powerful, are y'all okay? there's, 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 somebody's like, no, I'm not. There is a powerful picture of what I'm trying to proclaim situated right here in one of the most powerful books of the Bible. It's a book called Job. And Job's profundity is not just tied to its content, what's said in the book is tied to its context. Job is situated in a section of the Bible called wisdom literature. It means that when you start reading things like, uh, um, like um, Psalms and you're reading Job and you're reading Proverbs and you're reading Ecclesiastes and you're reading Song of Solomons, these are books that God put in the Bible, he says, not just to help you live right, but to help you live wise. Yeah, like, like Proverbs what he says, watch this, he says, this is powerful, he says, walk with the wise, Proverbs 13, 20, and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with the wise and become wise. He's saying, you become like who you walk with. And then he says, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Meaning, I don't have to be a fool. I just have to have fools as my companions. It's, it's wisdom literature. And this book of the Bible, Job, gives us wisdom in a number of different areas. But one of the areas I want to lift up for you today is that this book gives us wisdom on how to manage seasons of suffering for which you have no explanation. See? Are y'all okay? (laughs) Yeah. this, This book gives us wisdom on how to manage job-like seasons unexpected seasons of adversity that we have to endure without an explanation i'm looking for the real section now because there are some of you that know why you went through everything you went through but there are some of us that have gone through some seasons and I'm like, God, I trust you, but I have absolutely no idea what I learned through that. I have no idea why you had to do that that way. And I don't know how they hurt me and it seemed like they winning and I'm suffering. I need an explanation. And we can act as if we don't need it. And we can live as if it does not matter. But the truth of the matter is, there are situations and seasons that we all from time to time wrestle with, trying to understand. I know everything happened for a reason, but I don't see this one. I'm coming for you today. Job is an example of this. helps us see what it's like to go through seasons of pain where you don't see purpose. It's when you go through seasons where you had to cry and God doesn't tell you why this is exactly what happened in Job's story we're introduced to Job in Job chapter 1 verse number 1 with these words it says in the land of Uz there was a man whose name was Job he was blameless and upright he feared God and shunned evil blameless upright feared God shunned evil blameless upright feared God shunned evil blameless upright feared God shunned evil if there's anybody that meets the criteria of avoiding adversity it should be Job. He was blameless and upright feared God and shunned evil. Now let me come put a headlock on the devil right here and debunk some myths that are in your mind because you think that all your adversity is tied to your immorality. I want to tell you that it rains on the just and the unjust. Some of you are punishing yourself thinking you are suffering in 2022 because of something that happened in 2002 and I am telling you that Job is an example. Blameless, upright, fear God, shunned evil. Yet he has an unexpected, unexplainable, and seemingly unwarranted tragedy. The Bible gives us some insight on what's going on behind the scenes with Job, and it tells us that God is having an audience with angels. This is what's so dope about this. So, God's having an audience with angels. Angels are engaging with God, consulting God, and the text says Satan is standing in line. Y'all missed that already. I said that angels are engaging with God, having a conversation with God, and the devils got to stand in line and wait to get his turn to even have a conversation with the father did you hear what i just said and the enemy operates in the area of illusion so he wants you to think he's bigger than he is more powerful than he is and more profound than he is but the devil got to stand in line just to have a conversation with god He's standing in line. He comes up to the Father, and God asks Satan, "Where have you come from?" He said, "I've been the Buckhead. I've been the Bankhead. I've been the Marietta. I've been the Duluth, seeking somebody's life." that I can destroy and disrupt. And the text says that God says, have you considered Job? Wait a minute. What does this do to your theology? Job is blameless and upright. So we would think that should mean he should not be recommended for trouble. but the fact that he is blameless and upright is the reason God recommended him for trouble cause it's one thing for God to trust you with blessing it's a higher level when he can trust you with trouble somebody in here wants to know why do I keep going through what I'm going through and God's like, I trust you I trust that you'll be in pain and still praise me I trust that they'll walk out on you and you won't walk out on me, I trust you Y'all not ready for this? It is as if God is saying, oh, you want to mess with somebody? You can't break him. Y'all, did you catch? It is like God is saying to Satan about Job. Oh, you want somebody to mess with? Try Job, you can't break him. See, we do a lot of talk about us trusting God. We need to talk more about God trusting you. You say, sometimes I trust you with trouble. Cause I know he can't break you. Lord, I don't even have time to deal with all this. It's, it's, it's so, it's so much. It's so much imagery, just so much imagery here there's something in the bible called the principle of representation so one represent all so we weren't in the garden but Adam was so Adam represented us so one man made a mistake we dealt with the consequences because he represents us right and then in the New Testament we will call this something like substitutionary atonement it's where there's a substitute just like the lamb and the goats and the bulls were a substitute Jesus was our substitute and he represented us so the, the, there, there's a man named Adam who represented us and he broke it in the garden of Eden and then there's another man who was named Jesus and he represented us and Paul calls him the last Adam and he broke it on a hill called Calvary and so he represented us in Eden, he represented us in Calvary so there's this representation and so this is why David fought Goliath and the Israelites didn't fight the Philistines because it was representative warfare it means that if we go one on one if I win, my team win, if you win, your team win, so when God when God picks Job, it's representative warfare. He's saying Job ain't about Job. Joel about my team. And when he wins, my whole team wins. And God's trying to get you to see that what's going on in your life is not just about you. It's about the team. When you win, the whole team wins. Here it is. So he says, "Have you considered my servant Job?" And this is what's crazy. Satan says, "Yes, I consider him." He said, "Yeah, he fear you." But this is what Satan says. Are y'all ready for this? He says, "Does he fear God for nothing?" He said, "Of course he would. You look at everything you've done for him. Of course he's committed." Look at his conditions. Of course, look at how you blessed him. Of course he with you. He says, in addition to that, have you not, this is what Satan's saying to God, have you not put a hedge around him? So Satan is saying this to God, right? God's not saying this to Satan. So Satan is talking to God about the hedge. God is not talking to Satan about the hedge. So my question is, if God's not talking to Satan about the hedge, how does Satan know there's a hedge? He knows about the hedge before he even has a conversation with God. And the reason he knows about the hedge is is because he had been trying to get to Job. He'd been trying to get to Job and couldn't get to Job because the hedge was not just around him, but the text says it was around his household. The text says it was around everything that he had. And some of you have no idea about the things that the hedge has protected you from. You complaining about the stuff that got through the hedge when you have no idea that early today the hedge protected. Let me pause. And let me speak to some people whose loved ones are not in church and they criticize and critique you for your commitment to the things of God. They call you naive and jealous. They say you're getting conned. They say you're being swindled when they have no idea that the reason they protect it is because God's got a hedge around them because of you. He said, you put a hedge around him. So Satan says his commitment is tied to his conditions. So let me change the conditions and see if he stay committed. And God says, okay, Touch everything but him. He says, I'm gonna establish limitations on how far you can go with my people. He says, touch everything but him. And I want you to see what starts happening with Job. It's really sad. His ox and his donkeys are seized by Sabians, these this rebel wild groups. So, so I want you to think ox and donkey, I want you to think the things that he uses to feed his family and make his money, gone. Got me? Okay, so that happens. Then another messenger comes and says, the sheep and those that were serving the sheep were all burned up in a fire. That's not it. Then the last blow was this. Somebody comes and says, you know where your kids live? He, he said, yeah. He said there was a windstorm or tornado that hit where they live. It took all of them. I want you to see the sequential nature of what's happening it's back to back to back back to back to back back to back to back have you ever felt like it's happening to me back to back to back you like hold on jesus at least give me a break between trials where's my real section today like this back to back to back and so the sequential nature of these struggles is an indication of the strategy of Satan is one of the ways he works sequentially he says because before I take you out what I need to do is I need to wear down your will because every time Job survived one set of bad news it weakened his will. Did you hear what I just said? He says, "I want to wear you down. I want to, I want to do you like Delilah did Samson. I want to wear you down. to the, To the source of your strength is cut off, and then when you weak." I send the philistines to finish you off it's back to back to back and the and the bible says y'all not ready for this that job said the good lord gives y'all better come get me tonight the good lord gives and the good lord takes away blessed be the name of the Lord he says I'm not going to feel like I've been handled unjustly when God takes something I ain't deserved to have in the first place so there are two ways I can look at this I can be mad that he took it or I can be grateful for the time he let me have it and if you want to give the devil a migraine praise God in the midst and in the middle this is what's crazy so the Bible says after Job does this Satan goes back to God he goes back to God and God's like what's up you you good cuz you thought his commitment was tied to his conditions that's what you thought but you didn't know because he had been a recipient of unconditional love he reciprocated with unconditional con- commitment he had a hebrew boys type commitment that said my god is able but even if he don't we still will not bow. i need to know is there anybody that has a he's able but even if He don't He says, I'm not committed to conditions. I'm committed to him. He has to come back to God after he's taken this man's ox, taken this man's sheep, taking this man's servants and taking this man's children. He has to come back to God after he's done all of that. In my mind, I would be thinking, isn't the enemy satisfied? Shouldn't he be satisfied? He took all of that. You took his ox, you took his sheep, you took his servants, you took his children. You should be satisfied. But he comes back to God because he's upset because he still didn't get what he was after. He was never after what he took. And the stuff that the devil's messing with in your life is not the stuff he really wants. What he really wants is your commitment to God. So God, so Satan says, let me touch him. God said, okay. So Job gets sick, so sick that his own wife, don't judge her. Don't judge her, because pressure will make you say things. Let me go to this side because I feel it's a vibe over here. Uh, I said pressure. I I know some of you always say the right things. You're tactful and you're diplomatic, but pressure will sometimes make you say things you didn't think you would say. Now, I'm going to tell you what I feel like she dealt with. I felt like she was dealing with compounded grief. This is a woman who just lost her financial security. <laughs> this is a woman who just lost her own children. And now she's looking at her husband dying. Oh, wow. makes sense. It makes it. Grief will make you say things. And this is what she says She says, Won't you curse God and die? I'm going to tell you why that's significant, because that's what she says to him. But it is exactly what Satan said to God. (laughs) We family now. So I'm just, I'm, I'm already out here now. So let's just go ahead and shake the theological tree a little bit. The very thing that Satan said he would do are the exact words that came out of his wife's mouth. So where did that thought come from? It came from Satan. Because Satan will use pressure to use those that love you. See, I'm trying to see if y'all, okay. I said she loved him. But she had a moment of weakness. And he used the grief as an opportunity to implant a thought in her head to make a statement to give her some relief. Because oh so. we think the devil only uses people who hate you. I got it. Let me, I'm a, I'm a, a, a that's too much. Some of the trauma that many of us are recovering from did not come from people that hated us. Some of the wounds that we are wrestling with in our heart did not come from people that hated us. Some of the tears that we've shed were not tears that were shed in pain done by the practices of those that hated us. Some of the worst pain in our life came from people that loved us. This man is sick. He's without support. He's lost everything. And all of a sudden, his friends show up. Are y'all all all right? I got seven minutes, so don't hold all your amens. Get ready to throw them all out. I say his friends show up. And it's sad because they try to give him unauthorized prophetic insight into why he' going through what he' going through. They' giving him all this kind of advice that's just wrong. Let me tell you why you are going through what you are going through. God's getting ready to take you to another level. God's getting ready to do something. He's, oh my God. And sometimes you just want to say, I just buried my children. I just lost my oxen. The Bible says weeping may endure for a night. At least give me a night to weep. At least give me a season to grieve. I need to cry right now so I can smile later. The Bible says those that sow in tears will reap in joy and there are some of us that never get an opportunity to reap in joy because you won't go through the process of sowing in tears. You can only reap in joy if you're willing to sow in tears. And some of you are trying to be so strong and act as as if what hurt you didn't hurt you to the degree that it hurt you because somehow you assume that admitting that it hurt you gives them power over you. And I'm saying until you get healed from it, you're still harnessed to them. So go ahead and cry so you can smile later. It didn't hurt me. Yes, it did. Here come his friends, just talking. Now he's confused. He's looking at himself saying, maybe I did do something. (laughs) I knew I shouldn't have did that at prom. Devil just put all kind of weird stuff in. Man, I knew it. And it gets to the point where even Job begins to express some discontent. So Job's wife is talking. Job's friends are talking. Job is talking. And from chapters 3 to chapter 38, God is silent. It's one thing to suffer. But it's another thing. When I'm suffering and he's not saying nothing. How are you giving me? the silent treatment, in the middle of my suffering. From chapters three to chapters 38, there's silence. And in chapter 38, God says to Job, you done? So he said, Job, can I ask you something? Job said, yeah. He said, "Uh, where were you? When I laid the earth's foundation, when I engaged in what some call creation creation ex nihilo, when I created something out of nothing. See, everybody else can only create something out of something. This is a human divine distinction. It doesn't matter how creative you are, you gotta create something out of something. But in creation ex nihilo, God creates something out of nothing. He says, so where were you when I laid the earth foundation? He says, since since you're so smart, tell me. Since you know what I should be doing in your life right now, tell me. Since you know what's best for you, okay. Tell me, I just want to know, tell me if you understand, where were you? Who who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Oh, you're the wolf, bro. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together? And all the angels shouted for joy? Then Job replied to the Lord. He said, wait a minute. Now now think about it. I've been saying, you've been acting, listen to this, unreasonably. But now that I look at it, I realize that your ways are beyond reason. So he said, I know you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this that that obscures my plans without knowledge? He said, surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. You hear Job here? So here's this declaration in the first part of chapter 42. I love this. And then in the latter part of chapter number 42, the Bible says Job forgives his friends. I don't, I don't have time. He, he forgives it. Why do you need to forgive your friend? You gotta forgive your friends. He, excuse me, he has to forgive, it to forgive his friends. Because there was some injury that was caused to him by them that he didn't even know he was whole until he got to chapter 42. Because sometimes when you're in the middle of a fight, you don't know you bleed until it's over. Let me wrap this up because God's going to do some heart surgery tonight. Here it is. The Bible says, and the Lord restored Job after he prayed for his friends. And he gave him double. It's what we call restoration. Now watch this. I want you to see the way restoration works. I'm done. Here it is. I want you to see the way restoration rest, rest, rest works. When I lost kids, if you give me double what I had, it still don't replace the ones I lost. So God's showing us through Job's story the way restoration works. It's not him always giving you back exactly what you lost. But it is him giving you what that thing gave you. Didn't you hear what I just said? She said, "Job, some of the stuff you lost, I'm gonna give that back to you and more, but there are some things you lost that are irreplaceable. So he says, I'm gonna give you back what that thing gave you. Doug, give him the cards. Here it is. Listen to me. He said, I'm gonna give you double without an explanation. Read the story. God never told Job why. Did you hear what I just said? I said, God never told Job. Why? So he's got to move into this next season of his life without an explanation as to why he went through what he went through in the last. And that's who I came for tonight. That's who God put this word heart for, for those of you who have gone through these type seasons and you've had to manage them without an explanation. And some of you, right now, under the sound of my voice, like me you analytical you want to know the reason I want to know the reason for everything why do we do that that way I want to know the reason and I was going I was on the coming on the other side of one of the most challenging seasons in my life the Holy Spirit spoke to me based on Paul's letter brought to my remembrance because sometimes that's how God speaks, right? He puts a thought in your mind. It's like, oh, where did this thought come from? So I thought about Paul's words to the church at Philippi where he said to them, my God will supply all your need. So say, Darius, do you believe I supply all your needs? Yes. Okay. So if you needed an explanation in order to have closure, I would have gave you one. Did you hear what I just said? He said, will I supply all your needs? Yes. Well, if you needed an explanation for you to move into my next for you, if you needed an explanation for me to take you where I'm taking you, I would have given you one. And if I didn't give you one, you don't need one. I don't need closure. I just need to move. There is because you can't control if you get closure. Because the people that hurt you don't even know why. Y'all, y'all know. I got to. Did you hear what I just said? You trying to get people to give you an explanation as to why they did what they did, and they don't even know. They don't know. They can't even see themselves enough. They hadn't even done the introspection. They don't even care enough to do the introspection. They're not even trying to fix them. See, you can't have your closure (laughs) held up by people who don't even know. know. He says, if you needed it, I would give it to you. And then he gave me this thought, some of you have heard this before, but I promise you, it revolutionized my life. Oh, it just gave me such a perspective. And he said, Darius, there is no explanation that I would give you that would satisfy you. (laughs) That even if I told you the reason, you still would have wanted me to do it another way. Darius, I need you to learn how to advance without explanation. I I need you to learn how to move forward into the next season without without being tied to an explanation about why you went through what you went through in the last. And I came today to talk talk to some people who were hearing this word, and I want to announce to you it's time to move on, it's time to go forward, it's time to step into your future. The glory of the latter house is greater than the glory of the former. Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I'll do a new thing, shall you not know it? I don't need closure. I need closure. I don't need closure. I don't need closure. I've got something calling me into my future and I cannot be held hostage to explanations I may never get so now I got two choices I can lean on and be obsessed by what I don't know or I can lean on and be inundated with what I do know and I don't know why I went through this but I do know God is good and I don't know why I was selected for this but I do know God is faithful and I don't know why I had to cry so long but I do know he will wipe away every tear from my eyes So instead of complaining, based on what I don't know, I'm going to lean into what I do know. And what you do know is he's undefeated. Did you hear what I just said? I said what you do know is he's undefeated. What you do know is he's never lost a battle. What you do know is every battle you've been in, God has brought you out. And I know, we, I know we're a little more advanced now, but I grew up in old school church in Kilmichael, Mississippi, and they would sing this song. I don't feel no way tired. I've come too far from where I started from. Nobody told me that the road would be easy, but I don't believe he's brought me this far to leave me. Pastor Darius, why did I lose my mom? I don't know. Why did I give that spouse what I feel like are the best years of my life? And they disregarded me like that. I don't know. Why did I get this diagnosis? I don't know. Why can't I have children? I know. I wish I had an explanation, but I don't know. But what I do know is he's a very present help in the time of trouble. What I do know is, even though I don't know why you're crying, what I do know is he'll wipe away every tear from your eyes what I do know is he'll be with you and never leave you or forsake you what I do know in the words of one of my friends all you have is all you need I want you to receive this word as God's love letter for you. I want you to receive this word as a way of God saying to you, I love you so much I gave him this for you. And I gave him this word on this day for you because this is your season to move you need to move now I gave it to you now because it's not too late the devil's telling you it's too late it's not too late I told change church two weeks ago that the devil is a liar and that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that he watched this that doesn't mean he doesn't tell the truth it means he can't tell the truth the truth is not in him so whatever he says the opposite of that is true if he says it's too late that means God's getting ready to make the rest of your life, the best of your life. I don't know. I don't know why, but I know who. I know He's for you. And I know He trusts you. And I know He's going to bring you through. So I'm getting ready to pray a prayer over you and I am going to pray for some of you, watch this, cause some of your pain has turned to bitterness. But because you think bitterness only expresses itself in rage, you don't know you're bitter. You think you're not bitter cause you're no longer mad. But the Bible associates bitterness with hard heartedness. So you don't even have to feel bitter to be bitter, but if your heart has become hard, there's a scab over your heart, and that scab is a scab called bitterness. And the Bible says that bitter root defiles. You're about to be free. God's about to work a miracle in your heart. I'm not telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know. I'm telling you what I've lived through. I'm telling you God will give you beauty for ashes. I'm telling you he'll give you beauty for ashes. I'm telling you he'll turn your mourning into dancing. I'm telling you he'll give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I'm telling you there's a heart healing anointing in this room tonight, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. So, Father, right now. So right now I pray for every broken heart that's been enduring adversity without explanation. I pray for every person who in the secret chambers of their heart has been wondering why. Why me? Why this? Why now? I pray for every person that's been tortured with what could have been and what would have been and what should have been had this not happened. And I pray right now that the Heart Healer would work a miracle in the heart and i pray now that you will pull up every bitter root i pray that you would take that heart of stone and that you would turn it into a heart of flesh i pray that you would rebuke and bind the influence of the enemy we say in the language of antiquity satan the blood of jesus is against you we are covered we are protected and our heart has been washed in the blood of the lamb i pray that you'd break the yokes and chains and harnesses to the hurts of the past and I pray for healing to flow like a river I pray that joy would overflow from their heart I pray for peace now that passes all understanding and I thank you that the weak are being made strong the broken are being made whole I thank you that those that are stuck are being set free and he whom the son has set free is free indeed freedom has a sound
1: let me hear it tonight
0: i said freedom has a sound